Welcome to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman from Waco, Texas. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith from New York City. Each week we get together to talk about the readings for the upcoming Sunday. We hope to help both the sermon prepping pastor as well as everybody, since we all need to find that thread of grace, the gospel, throughout the scriptures. So dust off your Bible. Let's jump in. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Same Old Song. My name is the Reverend Jacob Smith. I'm the rector of Calvary St. George's, and as always, I'm joined by um, my co-host and personal assistant, Aaron Zimmerman, (laughs) the rector of Waco, Texas. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I got your dry cleaning, and I'll be ready next week, Jake. Thank you, Aaron. You can leave it in the closet. Uh, Extra starch, (laughs) just like you like it. (laughs) As always, we... uh, are coming to you and talking about the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday. And what we want to do is provide preachers with some nuggets to work with, maybe on a late Saturday evening or uh, Friday, and you're not you're kind of stumped by the text. And also for those who just would like to uh, understand what the texts are more about. So uh, this is our gift to you. <laughs> and so here we are on the second uh, second. Uh, Why Sunday. are you laughing, Jake? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny. It's a gift and it's free. So. That's right. uh, Take it for what it's worth. But anyway, we are on the the first Sunday after Epiphany. And um, if you remember what we said, uh, the readings and the themes of the season of Epiphany are all about the revelation that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You know, oftentimes we talk about sometimes, and this just kind of hit me, a sermon series. And if you want just kind of a, a cheap, quick sermon series title for the season of Epiphany, you can do it entitled Signs and Wonders. Um, you know, or something like that, and uh, not signs and wonders in and of themselves, but the signs and wonders that demonstrate that Jesus is the Christ and your Savior. And uh, our first reading is the reading from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7. Uh, this is a very, very powerful uh, passage, and uh, Aaron, do you want to say anything about it? Yeah, I do. Uh, I want to say what you said as we were preparing for this episode. You were like, I love this passage because it is about God trading really valuable things for something that is sort of a little bit dirty and worn and broken. You know, it says here, I give Egypt as your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in exchange for you, Israel, which I think you said it's like giving rubies and diamonds in exchange for a turd, which (laughs) I thought was fantastic. I'd never heard. I don't know if you can say that from the pulpit. But that's the idea. And that's a beautiful thing here. There's so much kind of Bible language in this, of course. There's names Mm -hmm. of places that seem far away and foreign. It's got just that kind of Hebraic poetic feel to it, which is so unfamiliar to your readers and to your listeners. But if you can get to that point that what, what Isaiah is talking about here is God going to ransom you with stuff that at the time, they were like the greatest countries in the world. I mean, wealthy awesome, amazing, militarily advanced, technologically advanced, these countries, Ethiopia and Seba, Egypt, which, you know, which is the greatest of all. And I will give all these amazing things so that I can have you, oh, tiny little puny, backslidden, backcountry, backwater, armpit of the armpit, Israel. I'll give these great things to have. I will trade in my Tesla to get... Mm -hmm. This 1982, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I think too, with the back a, window broken out and a garbage bag taped over. To that's keep you dry. the car I want. God says, <laughs> and so uh, you know, and that's and that's a very powerful thing. I think you know you have to remember that this passage is written in the midst of the destruction. And uh, and in the midst of the destruction, in the midst, and this is where the gospel, this passage really resonates with people's life, because in the midst of the falling apart of your life, so now you've come out of the Christmas holiday and you've realized Uncle Rick might be, is probably an alcoholic or has some sort of addiction issue. You know, in the midst of, you know, you're really, you're, you're back to school and your kids are struggling with the, with the upcoming state exams, whatever it may be, you know, uh, there, there are issues and it's in the midst of these itch, issues uh, where you are feeling like a captive, that God says these crazy words. I mean, this is insane. And you never forget, he's the one responsible for the captivity as well. And so, you know, when you, you begin to ask the question, why God? Well, then you're on the way to being a theologian. And uh, you're on your way to being a good preacher yourself, because that's a good question. But it's in the midst of that why God that you can hear him say, you're close. And you're, you can hear him say, uh, thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, uh, for I have redeemed you, and I've called you by name, and you are mine. And indeed, you are greater than any any anything uh, else going on. But this whole like theme of do not fear is running through it. I mean, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, I mean, judgment. That's what water and fire are all about, judgment. And they purify things. And God is in the midst of it as he, uh, as he kind of brings things down as well. Yeah, Never and he forget, says he's the one who destroys and kills, but he's the one also he de in destroying and killing you. He's the one who redeems you and saves you and calls you his. Yeah, that's what um, that's what Jake tells his children every night. By the way, <laughs> listeners, right before bed, God destroys and kills, but he also redeems. Night, night. Um, no, but I think the uh, <laughs> and they're uh, better for it. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Daddy. Can I turn the light on? No. <laughs> Uh, that's my job. You pay for the electricity, you turn it on. Anyways, uh, the thing that I love here, Jake, about this, and I know you do too, is that God does say why he does this. He mm. says, you're precious in my sight and yeah. honored, and I love you. And you couldn't find people that were, in worldly terms, less precious, that's less right. honored, and less worthy of love. That's but right. God says, this is who I am. Uh, and and I love you and I and you know and there's also a hint um, that more is coming. He says I will bring your offspring from the east and the west and the you know the south and the north. So he he's looking uh, for his scope is the whole world. Mm. Uh, and I think he you know God is always going to be sort of pushing these boundaries to bring to bring more people in, which again is what you know. And now segue to Acts chapter 8, um, where we're going to see God bringing people into this Christian community. Um, you know, obviously, Jesus, Jesus came for the lost sheep of Israel, he said. But even in his ministry, he was beginning, you know, with the, the Samarian woman at the well. And there's all the, the Syrophoenician woman. There are hints in Jesus' ministry that what Isaiah said is going to happen. That this message is not just for Israel. It's for the whole world. It's for Waco, Texas. It's for New York, New York, and it's for Gary, Indiana. It's for Berkeley, California, and it's for um, uh, anywhere you can think of. Um, and so, in this story, you've got something really crazy that's happened. Uh, just can Sumerians. I say one thing, just really? Quick no, too. I'm on. A, I'm on a roll here, Jake. I didn't, okay. I didn't mean to cut right. you off, but it's important. And that is, uh, we'll that see. Comes throughout Isaiah, is the voice, the voice of the Lord, the voice of mm. this, the voice of the Lord yes. makes the oak trees rise. 
you know, and, and it is by the voice of God. You don't see God. You have to hear him. And uh, indeed, he is speaking to you in the midst of whatever captivity you happen to be in. And that's another thing that um, is a word of encouragement, is that he's not the God you see. He's the God you have to hear because he's the one talking. Now back to yeah, and Sorry and and that. well, no, I was I was gonna say, you know, just uh, you know, I can't let you have the last word, Jake, on that yeah. point. I mean, when we hear the the voice of God, what is it that we're hearing? We're hearing the word of God, and who is mm. that? It's Jesus Christ. So again, right. coming back to what we've said about the Old Testament is always going to be a message that's pointing us to Christ, as Jesus Himself says in Luke twenty four. So uh, it, it's all all pointing back to Him. Uh, so yeah, Acts eight. I mean, you've got this crazy thing has happened that Samaritans have accepted the word of God. Mm-hmm. These are people that, um, you know, if you know your New Testament world, that the Samaritans would have been seen as kind of these half-breed uh, Israelites. You know, they accepted some parts of the Jewish scriptures, but not all of them. They worshiped kind of in the right way, but they did it in the wrong place. Uh, these would have been the descendants of the people that, that were the northern kingdom that split off from Israel and uh, kind of went to bed with the Assyrians and were idolaters. And so Samaritans are persona non grata to all the Israelites and the Jewish followers of Jesus even would have probably retained some of those prejudices. But now these folks have accepted the word of God. So, you know, they've got to send um, uh, uh, Peter and John to kind of to kind of check it out and they pray for them. Um and, you know, there's a lot of things going on here, uh, dear preachers who are listening to this and other folks, because there's this baptism that, you know, they already were baptized in the name of Jesus, but then Peter and John lay their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people use this as a proof text for what's called the second blessing. Mm-hmm. You know, basically you can be a baptized Christian, but you're quote unquote a carnal Christian. You're not really filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you need to get a second dose. I realize, Jake, and I realize that a lot of people have had that experience but theologically and pastorally, it's kind of problematic because it creates kind of a two-tier level of Christianity. It sort of says that what God did in your baptism didn't really count or something like that. And we're not really going to touch that here. If you have questions, call Jake because he is right <laughs> on this. I think in terms of preaching, uh, if you don't want to lose your people, I think what you want to talk about here is um, God's work at bringing in people even that the rest of the world thought couldn't be brought in. That's right. And like a dog on a leash, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to resist, but uh, in saying what I uh, really think about this passage, but I do think that it's important to remember that what's going on here. And we were talking about this. Remember Jesus, this is the fulfillment of Jesus's great commission beginning in Judea, Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And this is how the book of Acts flows. It begins in Jerusalem. And now in this section, we're seeing it move forward into Samaria as God, as Jesus promised it would. And uh, with that teaching went out, you know what I mean? And the role of the apostle was to come and bring, uh, was to come and kind of correct. And uh, the, the role of the apostle, these were witnesses to the resurrection. They were the ones who were to correct and like disciple and set straight. And I think, you know, what you see happening here in Acts is teaching in real time. So some things have hit Samaria and, uh, um, and uh, maybe a baptism of repentance or whatever it is. But the disciples have come to clear that up and, uh, and to um, set the record straight. And so what we see is in this passage is, yeah, Aaron, um, everybody is coming now. This word is for everybody. The voice of the Lord is for everybody. And it's also the fulfillment of it leaving Judea, Samaria. And we're going to see it now from here go to the very ends of the earth. 
Yeah, but before we can do that, the lectionary again, kind of it's 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 uh, we got a little whiplash. It's jerking us around a little bit because uh, it is going to the ends of the earth, um, but not quite yet. At least not on the gospel reading. We're going back in time to the beginning of Jesus's ministry. This is one of those Sundays where it makes it hard to tie all the three passages together because, especially, mm-hmm. you've just been talking about Epiphany and the wise men, and now you're going back to the like beginning of Jesus's ministry, not the birth, mm-hmm. but like the, you know, the, when he, when his, John the his, Baptist has come before Jesus stage, even started. Yeah. Right. And so the timing is weird. It's, it's, it's hard to time all together. Uh, but anyways, you know, good luck if you want to try. Uh, but I think the themes that definitely tie together is God coming kind of for everybody. In this one, you have John the Baptist showing up and, and by the way, preachers don't assume that any of your congregation know who John the Baptist is. He's not the, Pastor John Smith, the First Baptist Church, wherever you live. He is uh, John the Baptizer, um, and he is the one that's sort of the hype man announcing uh, that Jesus is coming. And I think, you know, one of the things that that I always uh, mention when I preach on John the Baptist um, is the fact that if you ever think that you need some kind of religious system that's just more law, more rules, more formulas, and that that will help you, um, John the Baptist shows you that that's not the case because you never had anyone that had more law um, that was more intense about that than John the Baptist. Uh, he He's the one that's the last of the kind of Old Testament prophets saying, everybody get your act together and offers this baptism of repentance. Um, but, uh, but John himself says, you need something more than me. You need someone who I'm not even worthy to, un- to tie a shoe. Uh, he is the one that will baptize you with the That's Holy right. Spirit and with fire. So, Jake, what else would you say about John the Baptist? What What would you say about the fact that Jesus is getting baptized? Why is a sinless guy getting baptized? Yeah. And how would you connect this for people? Well, I think, uh, you know, I think you're absolutely right. Um, whenever I picture John the Baptist, I picture Tom Hanks and Castaway. Yeah. Um, and so uh, just a really... Um, just a, a freaky guy. John the Baptist is not something someone you'd have over to dinner ever. And nope. uh, um, and uh, he talks about this. He says, he will baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chafe he will burn with unquenchable fire. And uh, the powerful thing is, is that I'm, I think that John actually expects Jesus to... Um, to be um, to be extremely heavy-handed, and to be a judge. Who is, and uh, indeed, he has come to fulfill all righteousness. This is the point of the baptism. But the good news of the gospel here is that um, the 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 winnowing fork, the fire, uh, was not laid upon you. It was laid upon Jesus um, on the cross, that you who are chaff blowing in the wind might become the wheat, the wheat that will endure, and uh, the wheat that lasts. And uh, this is a very interesting thing because now Jesus comes onto the scene to be baptized, and he says, um, in the in the in the in between, he says, "Let us do this now to fulfill all righteousness." Because John's like, "No way, can't do this." And uh, to fulfill all righteousness is the key to why uh, Jesus gets baptized. The baptism of Jesus is mentioned in all four gospels. Is mentioned in all four gospels, just like the cross and the resurrection. 
And in right. Jesus getting baptized, he doesn't need to be baptized for sin. This is Jesus identifying with you as the sinner in every way. In going under those waters, he is going under and uh, foreshadowing his death and uh, to identify with you and to be uh, one of us, if you will, condescending himself. And uh, this is a very powerful thing, but it's um, in his baptism, which we as Christians are baptized in, not John the Baptist, but into Jesus's baptism, that we hear the word of God spoken over us as well. Now you are my son, you are my daughter, my beloved, and with you I am well pleased because of the work of Jesus. And yeah. really, this is this is the epiphany this week uh, in Jesus's and do baptisms this Sunday. Uh, do baptisms this Sunday and get people to get baptized on this Sunday because this is your thing. Because now these people coming up out of the water as well, that which is used for destruction, God is with them. You know that which now is fills us with the Spirit brought by the apostles. That now in Jesus, given to us, that spirit, God says to you, you are my well-beloved son, my daughter, and with you I'm well-pleased because of Jesus. And never forget that. That's what this epiphany is. Yeah, even if you don't have the font uh, prepared on Sunday morning, go in there, put some water in that thing. Uh, Bishop Doyle here in Texas, uh, not a, not long ago, was at one of our Hispanic churches, like 300 people on a Sunday, and it was a baptism Sunday, and afterwards he said, and does anyone else want to get baptized? I mean, kind of like with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, like, why, here's water, and and this there was kind of silence, and this old man put up his hand and said, I want to get baptized. And he came up and said, do you renounce evil? Yes. Do you accept Jesus? Yes. And baptized him. And the floodgates were open. Mm. They baptized 60 people that Sunday. So, it's I mean, so amazing. So have the water ready, folks. Uh, and yeah, ready. I mean, the, the thing here that's uh, beautiful about this passage is if you think, I mean, just picture Jesus, sinless Jesus coming to John the Baptist, who's baptizing all these people. Again, it's a baptism of repentance. This is a like, you know, uh, people have, have realized they're doing wrong things. They're turning their life around. So all these sinners lined up to get baptized in the Jordan. And Jesus shows up. Where do you think he's going to go? Mm. If anything, you think he might stand next to John and be like, here, John, I'll help you baptize some of these sinners. Because <laughs> Lord knows I'm not one. Yeah. Uh, mm. and, not our Lord. And Jesus gets in the back of the line. That's right. That's to be right. Ba- to hang out with the sinners. So and where amazing. so where is it? He's with the sinners uh, he's standing in the water with all the sinners, not because he's sinful, but because he so deeply identifies with us. And, that, you know, when we say Jesus died for your sins, Jesus took your sins, Jesus takes away the sins of the world, this is where it starts. I mean, really, right. it starts with the incarnation, but this is where he starts to say, I'm with the sinners. I'm mm. with you in the water. Mm. I'm taking, they're not my sins, but I'm taking yours on me. Come on. And so give him the water. Give him the water because that's a tangible sign. You know, so much of this like kind of experience stuff and like, uh, you know, uh, you know, when I did this or when I did that, uh, you know, my personal personal like, you know, submitting my life or anything like that, that that will only take you so far. And and the point of baptism and these sacraments is that there is a promise there that pulls you upside of you outside of yourself to take you to the cross, the entire incarnation. Jesus's life lived for you. So uh, get the water ready and just uh, call people up catechize them afterwards, but get a, give them the promise right then and there. That's right. Uh, and let them know that the words that John uh, hears, the father tell the son, are also the words that the father tells you, sons and daughters, 
that you are my sons, my daughters, beloved, and with you I'm well pleased. Those are words specifically for Jesus before he's done anything, but they are also, because we are in Christ, those are words for us too. So have everybody leaving uh, church um, on this Sunday, the first Sunday after the Epiphany, uh, knowing that they are beloved of the Father and that he's well pleased with them, not because of anything they've done or not done, but because of who Christ is and what he's done for them, getting in the waters of baptism for them with all the sinners. Amen. Amen. Well, well, God bless you all. This is a great place to stop. And so uh, happy preaching and you'll hear us next week. Bye. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. And we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.